We have been uh, working through the book of John, uh, at least uh, started again and up, and we're in chapter 15. Last week we looked at the first six verses, we're going to look at seven and eight, and this is a little section on prayer, and we're going to spend probably uh, three weeks, I think, uh, talking about prayer, and it just happens we usually actually do talk about prayer during uh, January. Um, we're going to talk about prayer, prayer in partnership. Now, I don't know how many of you are procrastinators, some of you, no? Probably all of us are in various areas, but uh, <laughs> we tend to, at least I do, tend to procrastinate things that aren't immediately important, or we procrastinate things that we say, you know, well, we can do, do this, you know, the due date's not till Saturday, so I'm going to do my final paper on Friday, or whatever it might be, whoever you procrastinate, you know, you have a noise on your car, and you got to say, you know, I got to get that fixed, and you procrastinate that until you actually have to go on a trip, or until, until it breaks, and you have to do it, right? Um, uh, we can procrastinate a lot of things. Uh, we tend to procrastinate things that we don't see as immediately important. And sometimes we will procrastinate when it comes to prayer. Um, that we maybe just are just, you know, I can kind of put that off. I got a lot of other things to do today. I don't have a lot of time. So, you know, maybe tomorrow or the next day I'll, I'll, I'll spend time in prayer. Or Sunday I'll pray. Um, but we're just going to talk about that prayer is actually really important. Uh, it's one of those things that we don't, uh, and should not put off, um, that prayer really makes a difference for every single day. It makes a difference in situations. Uh, prayer is really, really important. And, and this is what Jesus says in our text, John 15. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so he says in verse 8 that this is to my Father's glory, or some translations are this is to my Father's honor. In other words, this, this puts a smile on God's face. Uh, when you bear much fruit, and uh, when you bear fruit, it shows that you are a disciple. And, and we saw last week that fruit bearing comes from connection to Jesus. If you were here last week where Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, uh, that person will produce much fruit. That fruit comes from connection to the vine. And uh, if you look at a fruit tree, you never see, as we talked about last week, a fruit branch, you know, stressing out and freaking out and, you know, screaming, I got to bear fruit. It just, it just naturally bears fruit because it's connected. And our main purpose in life is to stay connected with the vine, to be aware of His presence, because it's when we are aware of His presence and we're connected to Him that we naturally begin to bear fruit. So fruit has to do, do with connection, we saw last week, and, and as part of that connection is prayer, because prayer is basically just communication. We speak to God and we listen to God, but because prayer has to do with connection, that prayer is one of the ways that we produce fruit. And that's what he actually says here, uh, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. So he, he connects it with, with prayer. Uh, that prayer actually produces fruit that changes things. And um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this, this phrase, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, because immediately we probably all see a problem here. We've all asked for things we've wished for, and it didn't happen. <laughs> uh, what is Jesus talking about? We're going to talk about that either next week or the week after. Uh, but we see here that Jesus says, ask or pray. 
And he says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. We at least see that God loves to answer our prayers. He says, pray, and, and this is going to bear fruit, and this is going to bring me honor. That God loves, loves, loves to answer our prayers. That it brings him honor, it brings him glory, it puts a smile on his face when we are communicating, communicating with him. And very clearly in this text, he says that prayer produces fruit. Prayer changes things. Prayer makes things happen. As uh, Ian Bounds famously says, that God shapes the world by prayer. And one of the lies that Satan tries to get us to believe sometimes is that prayer doesn't make a difference. Or he gets us to believe the lie that we don't have to pray because God's just going to do it anyways. Prayer doesn't, make, again, make, prayer doesn't make a difference. But all through the scriptures, over and over and over again, we learn and we see and we hear stories that prayer actually does change things. It, it changes this world. It changes, it changes the earth. Uh, we see in Matthew chapter 6, uh, Jesus said, very simply, that we're to pray, and this is the, the, the model prayer, May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That every day, this is to be kind of the flavor of our prayer in this model prayer that we pray, God, may your will be done on earth as it is, is in heaven. And we can see two simple points out of this text. First of all, uh, Jesus is telling us here that, that God's will is not always done. I mean, if God's will were always done, this prayer would make no sense, <laughs> Because it would be, well, your will is already done in earth as it, as it is in heaven. But Jesus taught us to pray that we are to pray that God's will would be done on earth. Because obviously it's not always done as his will is always done in heaven. And the reality is we, we see on pretty much every page of the Bible stories or illustrations of, of God's will not being done. I mean, God's will is never for us to sin or God's will is not for genocide or for rape or uh, all of these horrible things happen. I mean, God's will is not always done here on earth. Uh, whenever you see, you know, uh, killing, stealing, destroying, uh, Jesus said, that's the enemy at work. That's not God's will. That's the enemy at work. Uh, Jesus said, my will, God's will, is for life. God's will is always wanting life. And so uh, we're actually to pray that God's will would be done because the reality is not always done. Secondly, this prayer is teaching us that prayer actually makes a difference in whether God's will is done or not on the, on the earth. Uh, other, again, otherwise this prayer would make no sense. <laughs> Why would Jesus say for us to pray, God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven if our prayers didn't make a difference in whether God's will was done or not? I mean, I don't think Jesus taught us to pray this every day because he's just wanting us to waste a bunch of time. <laughs> uh, no, uh, God is asking us to pray because our prayers make a difference in whether God's will happens at times or doesn't happen. Now, obviously, we know there are certain things God will do, whether we pray or not. But there are a lot of things, it seems, as you read the scripture, which is actually dependent on our prayers. That prayers actually make a difference in situations and whether heaven actually comes into your world. Or heaven comes into this church, or heaven comes into your ministry, or your workplace. That, that this prayer, God, may your will be done in my life, or my workplace, or this church, or this earth, as your will is done in heaven, actually makes a difference. We see in Matthew 17, uh, Jesus said this about prayer and faith. If I, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed... 
You could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Now, if we prayed, and, uh, and it was in line with God's will, and also this mountain over here moved to Creston, the earth would be different. It wouldn't be the same. There'd be a big field here, and no field of Creston wherever it landed, right? Again, Jesus is just simply telling us that, that prayer changes things. Prayer changes the earth. Prayer changes this world. Prayer uh, can bring about God's will in, in, in various situations. And by the way, I'm just going to add this in. In 1 Corinthians 13, you remember what Paul said. He said, if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And so when we're talking about prayer or anything, we need to realize that there is this foundation of love that is to coat all those things. I mean, Paul is saying, well, who cares if you can pray for that mountain to move from here to there? If you don't do it with love, you've gained nothing. Uh, who cares if you have an amazing ministry or you're amazing at the prophetic or amazing at preaching? If you don't have love, you're, you're missing something. As Paul says, that the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through, through love. And so this is what, what coats Coats all things is this idea of love. Uh, God, um, the reason where prayer makes a difference in this world is because God has designed this world where many of the things he does is done in partnership with us. That our actions or our prayers really do change what happens on this world. And we see that from the very beginning in Genesis 2. It says, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the orchard in Eden to to care for it and to maintain it. Now, obviously, it was God's desire that the orchard would be maintained and the, the orchard would be taken care of, but he actually gave that job to man. And it was up to man, Adam and Eve and his family, uh, whether that orchard would be taken care of or not. Uh, he partners with, with man in order to carry out his will. And if you read through the story, whether the Garden of Eden remained a paradise or not was largely in the hands of Adam and Eve. Uh, whether the earth was uh, sent into ruin, it was largely in the hands of Adam and Eve. Whether Satan was released and, and gained control was largely in the hands of Adam and Eve because God, he partners with us in this world and in, in, uh, in the functions of this world, various functions of this world because God is a relational God. Um, you know, God is not someone who says, you know, I'm going to do all things by myself. Uh, God is a God who's a loving God. And, and love is always wanting to partner. I mean, I mean, you've ever been somewhere and you just see something, a beautiful scene by yourself, and you're just like, man, I wish somebody was here. <laughs> uh, because we want to share stuff. It's much more fun to do work with somebody than by yourself. And, and this all has to do with rela relationality. That God is, is relational. We see this in, in a lot of the pictures God gives us. Uh, last week, we looked at the picture of the vine and the branches. Jesus being the vine, we are the branches. Now, I've never seen uh, a tree trunk. Maybe, maybe it happens, but I've never seen a tree trunk with, with fruit hanging off it. Usually, there's a branch, and the fruit hangs off the branch. And again, this is a picture of how God works. That there's God, we are the branches, and we're the ones that, that bear fruit out of connection. That uh, God actually partners with us in bearing fruit in this world. We can look at the, um, the illustration of, of the body of Christ. That in 1 Corinthians 12, it says that we are actually the body of Christ, and then we know that Christ is the head. 
Now, I've never seen a head uh, move a glass of water from the side of the room to that one, you know, kind of bobbling around. I know the head needs a body. And I've never seen a body without a head move a glass of water from this side to this. I mean, there's a partnership between the head and the body. And this is the way uh, Christ works in this world, that, that he is the head. And as the old saying says, that we are the hands and feet of Christ, that he partners with us. Uh, we can see this in, in the idea of the bride of Christ. The idea that the church is the bride of Christ and he is the groom. Again, this partnership. And of course, Jesus uh, inviting his bride to, to sit with him on the throne. And of course, Jesus being at the right hand of God. And there is, there is Jesus and we're invited onto this throne because God, uh, part, he partners with us. He brings it in us into the operations of this world. And this is where prayer plays a role. It really makes a difference when we pray or not, because it's part of this, this partnership we have with God. Uh, Greg Boyd, he, he said this, we all know we have say-so on a physical level. Our ideas, words, and bodily activities, uh, activity impact others and affect what comes to pass, for better or for worse. The Bible's teaching on prayer reveals that this isn't our only or even our primary say-so. We also have a say-so to impact God and to affect what comes to pass on a spiritual level. And this say-so is activated when we communicate with God. Because God's eternal goal in creation was to invite people to enter into and cultivate a relationship with Him, and because relationships are all about communion, God also set aside a vast reservoir of say-so that is accessed only by communicating with him. Because of how central this objective is for God, he covenanted with himself to release the say-so only if his people pray. There's thus a vast array of possible things that God would like to do, but which he will not do, indeed giving his covenant with himself, that he cannot do unless his people align their hearts with his in, in prayer. And that's uh, Greg Boyd, who is a pastor and a theologian. And we see this uh, at various places in the Bible. For instance, Matthew 9. Uh, Jesus says, pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now, uh, you would think that obviously it's God's will for workers to be in ministry and for workers to be serving and building his kingdoms, for, for workers to be in the harvest field. That's, that's clearly God's a will and desire. But notice he says that we've got to pray for that to happen. In other words, God wants it, but we've got to partner with him in prayer for that actually to come, come about. And this is the way God often operates in this world. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His will is for workers in the harvest, but we engage him through prayer and partnership, and this releases his will. That's what he's saying in Matthew 9. Or we can look at 2 Thessalonians 3. Pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored. Now, obviously, it's God's heart and will for his message to spread and be honored and be appreciated. But Paul says, we've got to pray for that. Again, God, would your will on, in heaven, which is for his message to spread, we've got to pray, God, would that be done on earth? There's this partnership that God has given us in prayer that allows 
his will to be done. Uh, we, get to, we see this partnership in, uh, in these texts, 2 Peter 3. Uh, God is not willing that any should perish. Or 1 Timothy 2, God wants all people to be saved. I mean, God's ultimate goal is relationship. He's wanting people to be in relationship with God. Now, this being of the utmost importance, it is interesting that God has largely left this, uh, or at least partly, in, in our hands. <laughs> this, this partnership. It says God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. Or in Isaiah 6, it says God saying, or Isaiah saying, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I, Isaiah steps up and says, Send me, I'll go. It's this partnership that God, because he's a relational God, is always reaching out and saying, man, I have stuff to do in your life. Would you pray? And then I'm going to release that. I have stuff to do in your workplace. Would you pray? And then I'm going to release that. I have stuff to do in this church. Would you just pray so I can release that? He works in partnership. And all through the Bible, we see God partnering uh, with people in prayer. Oh, we see that in, in this famous text in 2 Chronicles 7. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And, and obviously it's God's will for them to be forgiven and for God's will to, for the land to be healed. But notice it was dependent on their engagement dependent on their prayers. And so, so too with many things in our lives, that there are things that God wants to do in us and through us and around us that is actually dependent on whether we engage in prayer or not. God, would your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Now that prayer is not just you know, a waste of time, but there, there's a reality, there's a, there's a weight behind that prayer. As Jack Hayford said, prayer is essentially... A partnership of the redeemed child of God working hand in hand with God towards the realization of his redemptive purposes on, on earth. Uh, God never designed us to sit back and do nothing. God has always designed us to engage, to engage in connecting with him, to engage in prayer and to engage in, 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 in bringing about his, his kingdom on this world. And, and of course, he's behind that because again, he is our life source. He is the vine. We can't do anything without him. But we plug in, as we plug into him and pray and feast and drink from him, fruit begin, begins to happen. Now, now sometimes, uh, again, we, we, we can believe this thing that, you know, God's just going to do it all. I don't need to pray. God's just going to do it all. And, and sometimes we, 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 we make God out to be kind of like our human idea of power. You know, we have this human idea of power where someone is all about power and I'm going to hold that power and I'm never going to give anybody power. I'm never going to give anybody control. You know, we see that in politics and we see that in church sometimes. We see that in this world where people just hoard power because they want control and they don't want to risk losing power. And it's all about their power. And, and sometimes we just project, uh, project our view of power on God. But God operates in a different world, in a different kingdom. I mean, look, look at some of the teachings that Jesus taught about power. I think we actually read this last week, too. Uh, the kings and men of authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects, claiming that they do it for the good of the people. They are obsessed with how the others see them. But this is not your calling. 
you will lead by a different model. The greatest one among you will live as one called to serve others without honor. The greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one who has a servant's heart. The leaders who are served are the most important in your eyes, but in the kingdom, it is the servants who lead. That God takes this, this power and he inverts it. As he talks about, he has made foolish the wisdom of this world, and, and it's his foolishness that is actually wise. And, and sometimes we look at God and say, well, God, why would you partner with us? Why would you give us this authority to bring about your will? That doesn't seem right, but God's power is different. We can't project our human idea of power onto God. We can look at what the Bible says about, about his power. Even his glory he actually shares with us. And in John 17, uh, Jesus said, The glory that you, Father, had given Jesus, that, that he actually gives some of that glory to us. Like he, he partners with us. He relates to us. He's connecting with us. He's sharing some of his authority. He's sharing how this world turns out. He is sharing even some of his glory because he's a God of love and partnership. And so as a child of God, we, we enter into this with our prayers, and our prayers make a difference, and our prayers bring about uh, God's will in, in certain situ situations. And there are lots of stories in the Bible. There's so many stories that illustrate this, uh, but here's just a couple as we, uh, as we finish up here. In the book of Amos, uh, it says this, the sovereign Lord showed me a vision. So Amos is receiving this vision. I saw him preparing to send a vast swarm of locusts over the land. This was after the king's share had been harvested from the fields as the main crop was coming up. In my vision, the locusts ate every green plant in sight. And, and so God is obviously bringing about some sort of uh, locust plague, you know, uh, on, on the people because, you know, the, maybe the people were doing evil things or who knows what was going on. But notice what Amo, Amos says. Then I said, O sovereign Lord, please forgive us or we will not survive, for Israel is so small. So God was planning this. Amos prays, and then it says, so the Lord relented from his plan. I will not do it, he said. And so God was going to, and, and prayer makes a difference. <laughs> That's what this is saying. Prayer makes a difference. Uh, Amos intervened. He, he prayed, uh, and, 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 and the situation changed. And then it goes on. Then the sovereign Lord showed me another vision. I saw him preparing to punish his people with a great fire. The fire had burned up the depths of the sea and was devouring the entire land. Then I said, "Over oh, sovereign Lord, please stop or we will not survive for Israel is so small. Then again it says, then the Lord relented from his plan too. I will not do that, said the sovereign Lord. Uh, I mean, the point of this text partly is, is to show us that our prayers matter. You, you know the phrase where, where God says, I looked for someone to stand in the gap, but I could not find someone. It's an illustration of, of Amos stepping in to the gap and, and praying, and, 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 and God's ultimate will was to, to bring love and peace on that land, and that's what happens. Uh, we see in 1 Kings, the story of Ahab, who was just one of the most evil kings, and uh, Elijah the prophet, and, and there's this, this drought that lands on the, the land of, of Israel for a number of years. God is trying to catch Ahab's attention, and uh, it didn't work, so now God is going to bring rain on the land, and hopefully through this would catch Ahab's, Ahab's attention. So God tells uh, Elijah to go talk to Ahab. So it says, after a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. 
And so Elijah's going to go talk to Ahab and say, you know, God is going to release rain on the land. You should listen to him. He's really good. He's awesome. You should change your heart. Uh, hopefully this would be a sign to Ahab. So notice God says, I will send rain on the land. I am going to do this. This is God's plan. But the text goes on, and we won't read it all, but Elijah actually goes and he begins to pray for this to happen. God says, I'm going to do this. This is my will. But Elijah actually starts to pray. He doesn't just say, well, this is God's will, so it's going to happen anyways. He actually goes to prayer and he prays and he prays and he prays. He prays seven times earnestly, and it was only after prayer that finally the rain comes. Uh, there are times when you may even read a promise in the Bible, and you might just say, well, promise is there. I don't have to do a thing. There are times when those promises like this one have to be released through prayer because prayer makes a difference. God partners with us, and, and prayer actually changes, can ch change things and the way things turn out. And you know what's interesting about the story, talking about how God's power is a little different? <laughs> Obviously, God brought the rain. It was his plan. But you know, in the book of James, God actually gives Elijah the credit. In, in the book of James, it says, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave the rain, and the earth produced crops. It's like God saying, I'm going to give you the credit, Elijah, for that, <laughs> even though it was God. Uh, again, there's this partnership you see throughout prayer in the scriptures where, again, that we're to pray, God, would you, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you want to see more of heaven at work in your life, pray. Pray that God's will would be done in your life. If you want to see more of heaven at work in this church, then, then we need to be praying. And I'm so thankful for, we've got an awesome group of people who come out and pray before the service and after the service and for people. That is bringing heaven into people's lives. That is praying uh, the, the, the way for God to, to show up powerfully. I mean, if you want God's uh, presence and heaven to show up in your workplace. Stop complaining about your boss and your co-workers and begin to pray. And then you're going to see things happen because God changes things through prayer. And this is why all through the Bible, God is constantly, constantly encouraging us to pray. Because there's nothing more than God wants in this world is life. And he wants heaven to show up. And so he says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I want men everywhere to pray. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Devote yourselves to pray. prayer. Pray continually. Prayer makes a difference. It really does in this world. And uh, it doesn't mean that your wish is always going to come true. <laughs> doesn't mean your prayer always going to be answered, but I tell you, if you don't pray, you're going to miss out on a lot of heaven. When you do pray, God, would your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven just seems to show up in new, exciting ways in your life and, and, and around you. So Father, we ask, uh, God, that you just give us even a greater spirit of prayer. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the answered prayer we see in this place. Uh, God, but our desire is to see you uh, show up in greater ways and for heaven to be a more reality in, in, in our thinking, in our daily living. So God, may your will be done on earth, in our lives, in this church, in our community. 
in our workplaces, in our schools, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.